You're listening to episode 18 of Helmet Theory Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to Helmet Theory Podcast. This is Matt Hebb, one of your co-hosts. This is a conversation that Nichols and I had a few weeks ago. We were just talking on the phone and having a conversation and thought that this was a uh, good content to record. So we hopped on our mics, opened up the laptops, and started recording this conversation. So we hope you enjoy it. So here's me and Nichols talking. Here we go. You remember when we were in high school, we've talked about this a lot, and we did that thing that makes a lot of sense to us, but it sounds kind of weird when you say it to other people, but we surrender to the ministry. Yeah. Very vid- vividly. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, so up to that point, the things that we had both wanted to do, like I wanted to be an ophthalmologist or an optometrist. I wanted to be a lawyer. I had my pipe dreams of like, you know, being an actor or a comedian or something crazy like that. And then in, you know, in 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I feel like those are the the years that you, I, I, I've said it like this. I know you think that you're going to make the decision about what you're going to do with your rest of your life, which is stupid. I wish we'd quit telling people that because most people who want to do something when they're 16 don't want to do it when they're 35. Let's just be honest. But it is true that 10th, 11th, 12th grade, what you are doing is you are going to pick a path and that path is probably going to last for a few years. Now, maybe in college, you switch it up or whatever, you change your major. But generally speaking, it's that moment where you do pick some path and you're going to follow that path for at least a minute. Yeah, it's, it sends you on a trajectory towards something. Towards something, yeah. So Whether it's right or wrong or long-lasting or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so you and I growing up so deeply in the church we we did that you know we what we would describe as we felt like god was calling us telling us specifically that we need to be pastors that's kind of what we both thought and the reason i'm saying all this is because i think and i'm going to get to a point here in a second but what i think happens is i've talked to some people about our podcast and just about talking to us in general and sometimes we can sound like bitter angry christians you know what i mean like and that's never our intention but I, what I think I realized is that it's not that I'm a bitter, angry Christian. We're not the guys who are just like, oh, we're hurt by the church, so we're going to change everything about what we believe and think and how we behave and this whole thing. Th- that's not it at all. Sometimes I think it comes out like that because there's a big piece of the puzzle missing. Okay. And that, and that piece, Yeah, that piece of the puzzle comes from not really our our church wounds, so to speak. I think everyone to some degree has church wounds a little bit like we've all been hurt by the church at some point a little bit or a lot of bit or whatever and i'm okay with right. that i mean right if the church is a bunch of people that makes perfect sense right but going back to i mean i remember being in 11th grade i think and walking the aisle at a church camp to tell the youth pastor hey i'm gonna be a pastor one day and i made that decision that was like my symbolic next step so here's what happened And this is what I was thinking about the other day. The minute I stepped down that path, it was kind of like a fork in the road. And the minute I took that road, I sort of gave up on a whole lot of other things. Some of those things I didn't even know I was giving up on. They hadn't even been birthed yet. You know what I mean? Certain hobbies or interests. But what happened is my desire to be a pastor trumped everything else. 
And so our right. paths, our paths looked a lot different. You were able to go to a state school. It's not like you had to go to Bible college. You got a degree in psychology. It's not like you had to go get a theology degree or something crazy. Although you did get a psychology degree for the ministry reasons, right? Yeah. I, I went to college to, to get a psychology degree to, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because my family has a history of, of addictions. And number two, because I was told, yeah, getting a psychology degree, that'd be great for counseling, for pastoring, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it'll make you a better pastor. So, which is true, I think, maybe. But the point is, both of us made decisions, and probably for the next several years, those decisions were all, uh, they all revolved around us becoming pastors. We knew the end goal. The end goal was not necessarily to be a psychologist or a counselor or anything like that. The end goal was how can I minister to people better? Everything was run through that lens. Right. So here's what I noticed the other day. And, and when I noticed this it was because I was thinking a lot about certain things I'm interested in now. So for instance, in the last two or three years, you've seen me get into art, started learning how to paint and got really into art. And I've always loved art, but I've never experienced it or, or at least tried to do it. Uh, you've seen me write, and use my mm-hmm. passion for writing, and that's helped me sort out my thoughts. It's helped me be creative, and this whole thing. You know, you and I were talking about quantum physics. I mean, <laughs> that's like the nerdiest thing ever. And I have been—I promise you, dude. I sat at work the other day, and it was really slow. And I had my browser pulled up so that when I wasn't doing stuff, I could kind of scroll through the internet. And I was literally reading forums on quantum physics. <laughs> you know? Okay. So how does this relate to the way we grew up? Yes. So all of that is to say that I think that when people see me or you or other, maybe other people and they see just someone who's, oh, they're hurt by the church. You know, they're just, they're bitter, mad. They need to get over that. And they think that us uh, pursuing a different, you know, some people go as far as to change their beliefs altogether, but some people do what we're doing and they just become, open mind or whatever it is we're doing. I don't know. Um, I think it's because it's not because I'm angry or bitter. I actually really love the church and I, lo- I even love like my old school Baptist church. Like some of those people were really special to me. Some of them are alive yeah. still. Some of them yeah. aren't even, even little things like the guy that sat in the same pew every Sunday and he always had gum, you know? So as a kid, you'd go get gum from him. Just like even little stupid things like that. Like I love those people. So it's not for me about being pissed off at the church or angry or hurt or anything like that. Here's what it is. A good 10 years of my life, I was being fed this message that to be a good Christian as a young man, if if you wanted to take the next step in your faith, other than just being a nominal Christian, it was to be a pastor. And once you step into that, there's this thing, there's this calling that, that now covers you. So now it's not just a, oh, I'm deciding to be a lawyer or a doctor or fill in the blank. Now it's a, oh no, God's called me to do this. Now, okay. I don't know what God calls us and doesn't call us to do. I'm not going to make a judgment on every single thing that someone claims that God has called them to do or not, right? Right. But what I will say is I'm 32 years old and I'm just now finding things about me that I love. 
And so a lot of people, they, they have this gift. They're, they're given this gift. And that gift is they get to explore and ask questions and try out different hobbies. And they get to think about the things they want to do in the profession and they get to change their major and they get to have their party scene. And then there come the Jesus scene. It looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. But for me and for you, what happened was we looked up to these guys so much that were telling us that we needed to be pastors Mm -hmm. and we followed that. And I'm not saying they were wrong or right. I'm just saying that when your entire being is wrapped up in the idea of, being a pastor or a church leader, you miss out on so much more. Well, that's, that's exactly what I've meant even in the past on past episodes when I've said like, I feel maybe we haven't aired one that, that I've said this, but I know we've, we have a couple that we haven't aired, but one thing that, one thing that I have felt and even described is like how I felt robbed of exploring who I was. And well, you've said that, but you've said that before, but I don't think that we ever really dug into what that meant. Yeah. So you just described exactly what I meant though, by saying that some people are given a gift of being able to explore who they are, have the different stages, find out what they like, find out all that kind of stuff. Like, like that's exactly what I've meant. Like people, like I, I felt robbed of, of exploring of, of all that, like, because we had to shut down those things. At least, at least we felt pressured to, you know, we felt pressured to. And that's not even like, to say that people were actually pressuring <laughs> us, but there was this sort of unspoken thing. I mean, you got to think, dude, we were 17. We were mm-hmm. two guys who were looking for validation in a lot of ways, just like every young man is really and, and young women, even like, I, like I've described in to you in the past, like, you know, after I stepped down as pastor, was asked to step down or whatever you want to call it. Um, three months later, two months later, whatever it was, Jordan asked me, like, what do you like to do? Like, what are you going to do? And I had no idea. Because You're in I've a never been given the opportunity. I've never been given the opportunity to explore that. And so yeah. I started work, doing woodwork. I started doing, like, building for work. I started all kinds of stuff, like... Well, and how often did you feel? Because when you did this, you were in your late 20s. Like now, now you're not 20, 21 years old. You're not a young adolescent guy who's like got room to do a bunch of stupid stuff. Now you actually have bills and you own a house and you got a wife. But here you are going through something that you probably should have gone through five or 10 years ago. And yeah, when I was 20, 19. Yeah. Like, do you, you remember, do you remember feeling as just a small sense? And, and maybe this is me. I don't know. That's what I'm asking. But I'll just, I'll say it for me. And then you can say if, if you, uh, if you felt this way as well, but I remember, you know, dabbling in different things. Like when I first got into art, right. I painted my very first thing and I don't know if it was good or not, but I was like, dude, holy crap. And then a couple of people affirmed it and I painted some more and a couple of people affirmed it and I entered an art contest and all of a sudden I was like, well, crap, I've got to commit to this thing. I've got to, now I've got to dive headfirst into this art thing or, you know, it, whatever other hobby it was writing art right right and it's like i'm over here ask me a question along those lines but well i was gonna say the question was did you ever feel like 
whenever you, like whenever you got into woodworking or did any of those hobbies or, or, or pieces of yourself that you started to discover, did you ever feel that internal pressure of like, now I've got to make something of this? Um, like I started yeah, an art I mean, page on Facebook, which was really stupid. I mean, yeah, kinda. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Cause when I started woodworking, it was mainly just to keep my hands busy. Right. Like, but then I go, but you also sold crap. the stuff. Well, yeah, I was going to say my next step was, holy crap. Like I could make money doing this. I have to. Yeah. Like I have to make something of this. And so that's interesting. Why, like, why do you ask that? Well, the reason, the reason I bring that up is because it feels like, it feels like a pattern with us. And I don't know if it's a me thing and a you thing and an us thing. I don't know if it comes from our experience in the church where your hobby becomes your life. Because when you're a pastor, I mean, in a lot of ways, it does become your life. It, it's not separated from your personal, like I clock out at five and I'm done with work and I don't think about it till the next day. Right. And so I, I think in a way that was sort of engraved. Ingrained. What did I say? Engraved. No, it was engraved. It was engraved on your heart, man. It was engraved. Like a like when somebody engraves something into your the inside <laughs> of your ring. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I said it wrong. I have the I mess up sayings so much. One time Joey Cook was like, Hey man, I feel like we're we're good enough friends now, I can tell you this, but you've been saying something completely wrong. I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh what was it? He said, uh Oh, I would always say point in case. And he was like, Yeah, dude, it's case in point. <laughs> And I was like, really? Point in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the first, I was, dude, I was in my mid twenties. The first time I ever <laughs> realized that that was how you say that. But I do that all the time. But um, yeah, there's, there's that part of, of me anyway, you know, with, because I gave up everything. Do you remember in high school, dude, we had a youth group of, I don't know, 15, 20 people. And we got this unique opportunity where our youth pastor let you and me and Richard and a handful of other people, we basically ran our youth program. So we yep. were in charge of the music, the, the messages, all the entertainment, like whatever, like we did it all. And he let us do that. Nathan Van Schoik too. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> Van Schoik. Van Schoik, you better listen to these, dude. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, we man. Did run, we did run the the youth group. Ah, man, I I get where you're going with this because it's it's interesting to me how <laughs> it's interesting to me how cult like this feels. Well, at the expense of at the expense of sounding like, like another man. angry Christian. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not even trying to sound angry. Like. Like that sounds so, like what we've experienced specifically, all we can go off of is what we experienced, right? Right. What we experienced and what we're talking about. If you were, let's, let's exchange the, the name church or Christianity and just say with anything, whatever, like we went out on a freaking, <laughs> we lived on a commune and freaking never got to experience life. We were robbed of, of exploring who we were and whatever like that 
not that communes are terrible. There's people maybe listening like, I love my commune. <laughs> Somebody in a commune somewhere is listening to this podcast and they're like, well, I really like those guys, but I'm done now. Yeah. Yeah. But like, think about that though. Like what we experience, what we were ingrained with has some of those qualities. And I don't, I'm not even trying to knock the church and, and I want to transition into something, just a thought in a little bit. Um, but it really does make me feel like, like not only was I, were we robbed of that, or that's how it feels anyway, but also I feel like taking advantage of. Well, I think, I think there's a hesitation as you say that because it feels like you're blaming other people. Right. And, and, and I, I don't even know who to blame. There's not anybody to blame. Well, what I wanted to say about that was I think that in a way we were taken advantage, advantage of, but I also think the people that were doing that were also taken advantage of. It's this long, almost genealogy, if you will, sure, of people who have continuously been, quote, taken advantage of. And by taken advantage of, what I'm really saying is it's people who, in the name of God's work and Christianity, were told that their identity needed to then su- needed to submit to to this greater calling. And so now anything right. that's a part of me, anything that's a part of you is now less important. You know? So I I, I wasn't involved. I remember wanting to do like theater and like being asked to be in the play uh what play was it? It was Greece. I got oh, asked high Yeah, they asked me someone who was leading it asked me if I would uh, auditioned for the role of Danny, the main character of Greece, which looking back, I totally should have done. But yeah, you, you're very similar looking, bro. I'm super good looking, super <laughs> muscular <Greece> looking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I had no interest in any extracurriculars because my extracurricular as an adolescent was ministry. And so, yeah. what happened when you moved into college? It changed a little bit. Now you don't have youth group. But now every other thing you do. See, the reason we both joined fraternities was because that was now our ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, dude, I think about that a <laughs> How lot. How weird is like, that, dude? Like, I think about that a lot. And, and what's funny about that is, like, if I would have just not looked at it like that and just experienced everything that being in a fraternity had to experience, like. Just having friends? Just having friends or freaking having fun getting drunk, whatever it was. Like, <laughs> dude, like I remember telling, like all of my fraternity brothers knew, oh, Nichols doesn't drink. Well, and you probably like, wore that like a badge of honor, dude. I did. And that's looking back, like, <laughs> that, was, that is so weird. Like, that and, was so weird. And that's fine. If, if you didn't drink because that was a decision that you were making, I have nothing but respect for that. I've got tons of friends that they don't like to drink. And I have, I have no, I don't care if someone drinks or not. Right. Well, the reason I say it was weird is because I had this like ego complex. Exactly. Like, like I'm the holy roller, you know, like, like I you've got a point a to prove. Exactly. Well, yeah, I have to make a statement by doing it. Yeah. And that, that to me was so weird. Like, and I'm okay with, okay. Listen to me say this. I'm okay with people not wanting to drink because of God, faith, church, whatever position they may have. Cool. Like that's fine. But the way that I did it though, looking back it was more about my ego than it was 
it was more about people knowing that I was the pastor or whatever, like, and less about me actually caring about people. Right. So, So like it was, that's so strange to me looking back at that. I, I remember thinking about this type of stuff. It's been probably two or three years, but you remember when I was going through a big like writing spell where everything I was processing, I would write about it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember writing about this type of thing and it was, the metaphor that I used to help me understand this better was that I had spent my life as an actor. And so each little phase of my life was a different role that I played. Yeah. And so you, you didn't, you didn't abstain from drinking because you loved God and thought that that was the best way. I mean, maybe somewhere in there, there was a little bit of that, of that, like we won't completely dismiss that, but by your own admission, it was a bit more of like, no, wait, I've got to prove a point. I know my character. I know my role. I know my lines. Right. Yeah. Ready and seen. Yeah. I mean, seriously, dude. And that's how I was too. And I guess that's where where I come to is now I'm 32 years old. And I was thinking the other day, you know, we're in quarantine, the world's shut down and I've got nothing but time, dude. Like even at work, it's very slow. And so, I'm figuring out things like you can tell a lot about a person. (laughs) This is going to sound so silly. You can tell a lot about a person by their Google search. And if you go look at my Google search, it's going to tell you a ton about my interests. When Jordan asked you about your interests five years ago and you, and you looked like a deer in a headlights, what you both should have done and hindsight's 2020, but what you both should have done is gone. Well, wait, I know who can answer this. Google history. (laughs) Yeah. Because what you would have found was you would have found a ton of hunting videos and like outdoor wilderness survival, how to skin a deer mating videos, freaking. Yeah. How to make stuff, how to fix stuff, how to freaking fix your water heater, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tinkering on things, woodworking, different, all, all kinds of stuff. And you would have looked at your Google history and you would have gone, holy crap, I'm complex. I've got interests. Like <laughs> yeah. if you looked at, yeah. I was thinking about this That's literally just like two or three days ago. I was thinking, man, if my company goes and looks at my, <laughs> at my browser history, you know, some guys are worried about that. You always hear about the person who gets fired for looking at porn. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everybody's thinking that right now. I know, but here's what's funny. Here's what you're going to find. I swear on my life, dude, in the last two weeks, here's the bulk of the stuff that I've been researching, okay? Quantum physics, church history. Dude, the other day I started thinking about our Baptist heritage and where it all came from, and I got online and traced it from our missionary Baptist denomination that's not very old at all to the Southern Baptist and all the way back to Catholicism and all the way back to all the saints and like early church fathers. And so all of a sudden... I was sitting there going, holy crap, dude, I'm in like, you know, whatever BC. And all of a sudden I'm reading about, like, I've gone past church history at this point. (laughs) I'm just in a regular history. (laughs) Just history. Well, man, this is actually really interesting for me. And I think you'll find this very intriguing. So the other day I was listening to the Heretic Happy Hour with Mm -hmm. Jamal Javonji and the other guys, Keith Giles and Matt. Is it Matt? Dude, if he listens to this, he's going to be so pissed that you don't know his name. 
Okay, with so I was listening to Heretic Happy Hour, <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, dude, you can keep that in there. I don't care. I forget all their names. Um, anyway, so I, I was listening to them, and I just figured out like I was noticing like these guys are so positive. Yeah. About everything, like about church, about history, about quantum physics. It was the quantum physics episode. I was oh, dude, that'll blow your mind. And the question that I had listening to it was, okay, dude, what is my beef with church? Okay. What's my beef with church? Why am I so like, I'm not really angry. Like I'm not. I'm not disgruntled about it anymore. Real, real like, quick, are you saying this in terms of like, I know you're noticing this in you, but is there a, do you think there's a perception from the people that are around you or people who listen to this podcast or whoever that you are angry or bitter or whatever? Maybe. That, is that where you're coming from? Maybe. I guess where I'm coming from is like, why have I, like, why do I not want to go back to church? Okay. So, I asked myself, what's my beef with church? Well, that led me on a rabbit trail of a couple different thoughts. One of which, like, so, so what's my beef with church? And then, like, I got to thinking about Jesus. And I got to thinking about, like, okay, Jesus had a mission. He, you know, that's pretty clear in the Bible, I feel like. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong on that. But I feel like he had a mission. And like wanted to love people, want to do all that. That made me ask the question, okay, what is the mission of the church? Next question. Okay. What's the mission of the church, like specific churches, like the Baptist church, the well, did, church we grew up in? Did you the, think, did you think of an answer for the first question? Or did, were you just more like on a train of thought here? I just on a train of thought here. So, okay. All right. so it led me to like, okay. And then the real question, the question that I, I did kind of answer was like, what's the mission of specific churches? Like, yes, they have their, their bylaws, their, their little poster on the wall that says all their, what is it? Their, like their mission and vision, their, their doctrine, their missional statement, all that kind of stuff. Well, and honestly, and I know this is going to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but those are all the same thing. Like, I feel like every church has the same set of mission and vision. Well, well, so, so maybe, but so, so here's, here's the, the, the kind of kicker there. What's the, what's the mission? Like, okay, not what they say their mission is. What's their mission? Like. How would you, what would you say their mission is based on their actions? Okay. So a lot of people would say, well, the mission of our church is to see the unsaved come to Jesus. Okay. Well, what are you doing? Like, what's the church doing to do that? Because all I see in some places is there, I think their mission is to grow more mature believers in, of Jesus, of God. Okay, so based on actions, what is the actual mission? Like, what? where's the proof? Like, what's, where's the fruit, right? So what's the mission of that specific church building into whatever you want to call it? 
Okay. And you can ask that question for each church that maybe you and I have gone to, visited, whatever. Because they'll say, like, this is our mission. It's to see the the lost saved or right. what, you know, whatever. We want to see more mature believers or whatever. People who That's, are far from God, God become close to God. Right. But, but so I, I did like a realistic evaluation and I thought about the churches that I've been to and compared like, okay, what I saw, what I participated in, what I what I've said that the mission was all that. So a lot of the places that I've been to, I would say that the real mission of the church, like based on action, I mean, we just want to see more deep, like people be, be in deeper relationship with God. Okay. And that's totally cool. That's totally cool. So the point of this was, all right, how can I see the church for what it is? what's my beef with church? So then I started thinking, all right, if the mission of the main, or like one of the missions of the church churches that I've been to is to see just people grow in relationship with God. Like sure. Some people might walk in the door that don't believe in God and maybe they get saved and then so on <laughs> and so forth. They grow in their relationship with God. That's cool. Like no beef with that at all. I just started saying, all right, let's, let's just call it what it is. Call a duck a duck. Mm-hmm. Then my question, my next train of thought was, well, is the problem me? Hmm. Okay, so go with me on this train of thought. Is okay. the problem me? Yes, because, <laughs> because I am not sure or have not been sure in the past of who I am in this current state that I'm in right now. I'm not saying like I'm sure of who I am. And I'm always going to be this way. I'm not talking about it from that way, that same point. Like, but you I'm have saying, a greater sense of clarity right now than you have up to this point. Right. I feel like I've found myself and I'm on a journey and I recognize that. So real quick, can I ask a question? Yeah. Because I think we use this stuff. I think we, we, we use terms like I found myself. Or, you know, people say this kind of stuff all the time. But sometimes it's helpful to put words to that. So like when you say you found yourself, what does that mean to you? And I'm so just curious. Is like, I know you, but I'm just curious as to what your kind of your sense of self-awareness is or what your perception of like how you've grown is. Right. So I would say I've found an unapologetic version of who I am. And so I mean like my likes, my dislikes, my way of speaking, whether I cuss, whether I don't, what I'm okay with, the people that I like. So is it, is it fair because what, what you're saying right now is resonating with me. I would put different words to it though. And I want to see if this is how you also yeah, feel. So when you say like, I found myself, is it also true that what you're saying is maybe it's not that you found yourself, but maybe that's you finally accepted yourself. Sure. Uh, I think the reason I asked that is because when you were talking, you said like, I found what I'm really into. I would say this: I, I abandoned the fake version of me. I abandoned wearing masks. I okay, I do like that. The, I've abandoned the thought of having to be somebody that I'm not. So what I mean is, like, I am sure of who I am, and I'm okay with the world knowing that person. Okay. 
So, well, the reason that I asked that question is because as you were talking, I also feel those same things that you're describing. Um, but I think for me, and this may not be true for you or anybody else, but I think for me, it's that it's not in a sense, it's that I have found new hobbies. I've explored new territory, but I think more than anything, I've given myself permission to go to different places and I've accepted myself regardless of the outcome of those places. I would agree with that. Yeah. That's a different um, aspect of what I'm talking about, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and that may, that may be more true for me than for you. What you're describing may be a little different than what I'm experiencing. So, well, so, so I had someone that I care about that cares about me recently asked me, uh, we, we got in a conversation and this person said, well, you know, you wouldn't say, uh, piss or shit or whatever inside a church. And I was like, sure I would. Inside the church, like, like the walls, like, like the, the building of the church. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't say that at church. And I was like, sure I would. <laughs> and it threw this person off or it felt like I threw this person off. Sure. And, and I deeply care about this person. Yeah. Um, but it threw this person off and, and I got to thinking about it after like that night or yeah, after, after we left or whatever. And I was like, I think I've reached a point where like, no, I would say whatever I wanted to say inside of a church. Now, would I say that to specific people? Like, would I not have respect for certain people? Like, absolutely. I would have respect for certain people. I'm not going to like, you're not going to buzz up in the church. Like what the F is up everybody. Yeah. But around certain people, like I would, I would speak freely, you know, like I'm not going to walk sure. up to the pastor and be like, yo man, what's going on, man? How, how the hell are you? You know, well, what's there's with all this shit here, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to say that. There's I, a, I there's a difference in being yourself and censoring yourself out of respect for other people. Like I was talking right. to a lady at work today and she said, she recently shared something on her Facebook. Uh, it was a meme or something. It was a, 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 along the lines of, of, people who use the F word are basically choosing a, a lower sense of intelligence. So she, she just doesn't like cursing, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't, doesn't sit well with her. So I'm obviously, which I'm not going to walk up to her and drop every curse word in the book. Like, even if I was just cussed like a sailor, like I'm going to have a little bit more respect for her. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's funny that we're talking about like cursing and stuff. Cause that's like such a, Small, you say cursing as opposed to what cussing. I don't know, anyway. <laughs> I just like there's a little bit of a difference there for me. I don't know what it is <laughs> cussing and cursing. I don't know, man. I, I feel like I've always grown up saying cussing, but then I feel like when I hear like more educated people say it, they talk about cursing. So I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to put a mask on <laughs> to be a little bit more educated for everybody listening. <laughs> so, so <laughs> the, the point of what I'm saying here is like. I feel so much more free to be myself and I am sure of who I am in this current stage that I'm at on the ground that I stand on currently. And I've never been that way inside of a church ever before in my life. And so I <laughs> asked myself then after that, could I go back to church? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Like I could go back mm. to church, but it would look a whole lot different for me currently. 
I guess I have so many thoughts on what you just said. I'll say the quickest one, and we don't have to spend much time on this, but my one of my biggest issues is that we say things, and it's culturally uh, accepted and correct, but we say things like, go back to church. And And I know that's a language that's very normal for most people, but I'll be honest, when I hear that when I hear church as a destination anymore, it's very difficult for me to comprehend it. So I think like, for instance, you and I have gotten into some Facebook dialogue (laughs) with some (laughs) people. Honestly, I wasn't being argumentative. I don't think anyway, we've gotten, (laughs) we've gotten into some conversations with some people and it's, it's been centered around like certain comments about the church or whatever. I don't know how to take it. I understand that it's like the, like that that's a normal thing to say, like go to church, like in, in, in this culture, church is a destination. The problem is for the last couple of years, I've been on this, this journey where I've been exploring what the church is and who Jesus is and what God is and all this stuff. And I don't see church as a a place that you go. I don't see it like that at all. So a lot of times it's a language barrier on my end. It's that I have, I have, I'm speaking a different language than what I used to speak, but in a lot of ways we're using the same words. Okay. So we're talking to these people and we're saying the word church and that means what we think it means the same thing. It doesn't at all though. So that's my first issue is that a lot of times for me, it's difficult to get past the whole, Oh, I can go back to church. I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, so, so talk to me though, before we get into that subject, because we can dive into that subject for a while. Talk to me about what you feel like what I said. Like, so I feel like, like the, the mission of the church, yeah, all that, like, I guess, I guess the, the gist of what I was getting at is I finally feel like I see the church building whatever the destination for what it is. Well, no, I, I think what you said is spot on and I'm, I'm actually really happy that you said a lot of what you said. I think it not only gives whoever's listening a little bit of uh, a clarity about who you are and what you stand for. Um, but I think it's something that we should all consider because when I hear you say, I can go back to church, this is not a conversation regardless of me being like stuck on the semantics. This is not a conversation that we were having a year ago. Right. And so There's I no think, I go back to church. I think that what I'm hearing is less about a destination and more about your willingness to, uh, sorry, let me process this. I'm kind of thinking, I'm kind of thinking uh, verbally, I'm I'm word vomiting right now. (laughs) I think it says more about your willingness to participate in this global communion, if you will. Like, Like, I've seen you get to the point as someone who may be a little bit resentful of the church and you have so much grace and compassion and empathy for everyone outside of the church. So anyone who believes differently, anyone who is, is a part of something different or, or, or whatever, you have so much grace and so much compassion toward those people. And I think what's happened is you've continued to have that, but somewhere along the way, you sort of looked at those people. It's almost as if you looked at someone specifically, and this is a metaphor of sorts. 
But I like to think of it like this. Like you looked at someone that came from where we came from. And instead of seeing them as the obnoxious, legalistic, conservative, theologically jerk, you saw your reflection in them and you said, wait a second. Love is bigger than my rejection of a system. I would agree with that. So I think it's cool, man. I, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think either one of us could experience church the way we once did. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and when I say experience church the way we once did, I'm talking about the identity, the it's my everything, you know, that whole thing. Um, but I do think, like I was just texting a guy today who's, he's, he's a, a buddy of both of ours that we both know. And he, I actually texted him about some audio stuff. I wasn't even talking about spiritual things at all, or maybe everything's spiritual. And I was, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I texted him and he comes from the same little world that we come from. And he said the same thing. And he said he, something along the line, you know, he, he was, he was praising what we're doing on the podcast. He said he listened to a couple episodes and he was really thought it was cool. And, and the guests we were having uh, was insightful and stuff. But you could tell there was some there's some hesitance there on like believing the same stuff they believed, which is right. fine. I mean, we're not here to we're not teaching a doctrine class. Like this is not a, a podcast where you come to learn what you're supposed to believe. I mean, that's not at all what this is. But when we were texting, he ended the conversation by saying something along the lines of, you know, all of us we're all aiming to love people better. You know, pe- people in our in our camp at least. Uh, we we see Jesus as someone that's that's worthy of praise and adoration and admiration and respect and love and honor, and so when right. we look at his life, we say, how can we imitate that? And the way that we have you and me and this and this person that we're talking about, the way that we have learned to imitate that is not through uh, who was it that called it a set of propositions that we had on? I can't remember, but the way that we learn to love people well, the way that we learn to imitate the life of this Jesus guy is not through a set of propositions. It's actually through empathy and compassion and inclusion. And I know that's I not pop. That. I know that's not popular. I know there's going to be inclusions a funny word. I, I almost hate using it because it feels like it's it, there's, there's a market on that word. And, and when you say it, it feels like it, you belong to a camp, you know, but um, man, it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me that, you and I could not go back to the congregation of church, like building, whatever, and ever be the same and ever experience it the same. And like we've said before, like we, like, I feel like we've kind of taken those blinders off, become more like our true selves who we were raised to be taught to be grew to be whatever. And, like what I was saying is I just, I found so much more confidence in who I am Mm -hmm. to where I'm not going to ever try to be somebody I'm not. And on the subject of church building versus, versus like the actual church, that's funny to me because I have a whole new definition of all of that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? 
Well, I mean, I definitely have a new definition of it, if that's what you're asking. I think about, I don't accept or reject this term that we call church. Um, I've been a part of a few churches, deeply involved, by the way, in, in several churches. I have been the, uh, the, the main recruiter for some of these church initiatives. Like I have pulled people in and I have been the manipulator that I talk about in a negative light. I have been all of those things. So what do I think about church? I think that a man named Jesus, he came and lived a really weird, different life. And his behavior and his actions and the way he lived went against the cultural norm and the political norm of his time. Yep. So much so that they literally, some people thought he was starting some sort of political rebellion. Right. Now, that's a cool story to me. But here's the deal. When you ask me what is church, see, I can't start there. I've got to zoom out. So here's the stuff that I've been thinking about. Um. I've asked the question, what is God? Okay. I, I said that to someone the other day, and they, they thought I was being a, a, a turd. They were like, dude, what do you mean? What? You mean who is God? I said, okay, fine. Who is God? But like, I could also ask, what is Matt Nichols? And that's a fair question. You're not going to like get on me about that. Right. So lay off me. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you, you are made of matter. You know, you, <laughs> there are particles and the whole thing. So what is an appropriate question? So what is God? And then what is the Bible and how do I read the Bible? And if I read it this way, what does that mean about this thing? And it, it, it starts to all, uh, Brady said it, uh, unravel, you know? Right. And so well, what for is me, God, like, what is, what is the Bible? Like we look at the history of the Bible. What do we believe? What do we not believe? We look at the history of God. What do we believe? What do we not believe? Do we just go with the current state of the Bible and what everybody's teaching, preaching yeah. that? Or do we take into consideration the, the edits, the books that were taken out, the like, even, even just the way, even just the way that, you know, back in the day, uh, religion wasn't necessarily a religious thing. It was somewhat of a cultural thing. Like right. at a certain point, if you ask someone if they were Jewish, it had nothing to I wouldn't say it had nothing to do with, but it had it didn't have everything to do with their it meant an ethnicity, it meant meant a religion, it meant dude, it, it meant generations of cultural thinking. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so when I think about this stuff, it's hard for me to go, well, it's 2020 and I read the Bible literally, and like, dude, one of the one of the weirdest things I've never said this to well I've said it to a couple of people but I haven't said it to many people. But something I've always really this is before I researched anything I, you know this is just this is just a random thought from a, from a young guy. But I used to read the story of Genesis and there's a guy named Adam and a gal named Eve and they're chilling and they're naked and so far the story's great. I mean if I could if I could just hang out naked all day long this is a good place to be, you know, and then, and, and God, there's certain parts of the world that you can literally do that. If you want. I'm trying to live in those parts of the world to be honest. No, but there's Adam and Eve. And then they got talked to by this snake and the snake said, Hey, eat this apple or this fruit. And God said, don't eat it, but 
I mean, look at me. I'm a California king snake, so eat it. <laughs> or a python. Or- right. And, and, and for my whole life, I've thought, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago about that story, I would have said, literally got spoken to by a snake. Now, if someone believes that, if you're listening to this and you believe that, I'm, that's totally fine with me. But what I'm saying is I started to look at stories like that and go, wait a second. Maybe it's not about a literal man and a literal snake and a literal apple. Maybe there's a deeper thing happening here. Maybe there's something we can glean from this story. And whether or not we agree that Adam was a dude and all this kind of stuff, like maybe there's more to be gleaned from this story. And so that was one of the first times I remember thinking, and and to be honest, like I'm saying it now, like it's casual and, and, no big deal. But when I first started having these thoughts, I mean, I didn't know what to do with them. I thought for sure, like, no, that you are doubting the Bible. You can't do that. So well, the, the, I'll add to that. When you stop reading the Bible, literally, you're not getting rid of what you got out of it by reading it literally. Right. Adding to that narrative. I don't even know what it means to read something uh, to think that I I was explaining it like this to someone the other day. Like imagine if I took and imagine if I took, I said, Nichols, I've I've created this uh, manifesto of sorts. I've created this book. Right. And in this book, there's a ton of different styles of writing. So in this book, you're going to find, uh, you're going to find the origin story about mankind. And so you'll read a few stories about where we came from. And also in this book, there's going to be like uh, some American uh, law. There'll be some stuff about legalities and DWIs and <laughs> whatever else. And also in this story, in this book, there's going to be some stories that, Um, Some people wrote and it's just beautiful poetry and there's some songs and then we're going to skip ahead. And and the very last book that I'm going to throw in this big book, um, my buddy had a dream. He was, he was tripping balls and he had this crazy dream and we're going to put that in there. Now imagine, (laughs) yeah. Imagine if I told you that, if I said, now I want you to read this book literally. Okay. So you're going to start out and you're going to read whatever origin story I talked about literally so i mean there's tons of different origin stories that across the world if you go to different cultures i mean story was how we expressed a deeper meaning and then you look at books like leviticus that explain jewish law i mean and so you're reading my book and you're going oh here's the law in west virginia on moonshine or whatever yeah yeah you read that literally now that doesn't apply to I have some moonshine in the cabinet, by the way. It's glorious. <laughs> Do you actually? Yeah. Like real moonshine? Real moonshine, not store-bought. <laughs> Did you get it off the dark web? No, off the hillbilly web. Okay. Word of mouth. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Word of mouth, not many teeth. Word of gums. <laughs> <laughs> So you go to this book and you're reading it and all of a sudden you're switching gears. All right. You're going, 
you're going this big poetic origin story to West Virginian law on moonshine to here's a cool story Hep wrote and a poem that he wrote about whatever his sadness and then, oh and here's a few letters that somebody wrote some different groups of people in different cities across the world I mean you, you see what I'm saying like you can't read the Bible literally in and of itself you can't just say read the whole Bible literally it's not meant to just be read literally. It's also meant to be read in context. And I think the biggest, maybe I'll eat these words, but I think the biggest disservice we do to the Bible is reading it literally, reading every single thing. You have to read it in the genre that it's written. And then you that, have to. That's key. That right there in the genre that it was written, that was written. Um, <laughs> that's huge because I was thinking the other day, how often do we or have we read it literally in the context of today's world right what we also have to remember is or so what we have to think how we have to think about this is like we're talking about a world that people did not have nikes they, they couldn't even have. read nickels <laughs> they couldn't read you know like only the prestigious or the like people of the like the the uh, religious leaders of the day read the books, right? But also, they didn't have TVs. They didn't have movies. They didn't we're in the age of information, you know. Right. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have phones. Like this is before house phones, and you could jump on the phone and listen to your mom talking to whoever. But the, like you got to think about that. Like they didn't have concrete. I mean, they had like stones and all that, but or maybe they did. I don't freaking know. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but like, but we read it from a place of like, what well, has to be read literally because that's how we experience everything today. Mm -hmm. Dude, they, they passed on these stories from the Bible. Like we read or like we watch movies. That's well, not, huge for me. Not like, to mention, dude, if you look at like the Odyssey, you know, story about uh, Zeus and, you know, Greek mythology. I, my understanding, and I could be wrong here, but my understanding is that people didn't necessarily, I mean, at, maybe at first they did, but like moving forward in history, people didn't look at those as literal stories. They looked at those as stories to to tell a greater story. Right. And so there was themes and, I mean, this is when people were really learning to use like literary devices, you know? Yeah. So my struggle, my struggle when, when people, people talk about. Some, some histor historians are like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many historians are listening. I don't, I don't want to drop a hard F. <laughs> <laughs> so reading the Bible literally, I think, is one of the biggest injustices that we can do to not only the Bible, but the Christian faith, like in general, because we treat people like shit. We treat people like shit because of that. And I was thinking about this. So here, here's another, can we switch gears? I do have it. an idea. All right. All go right. For it. So, so we've been taught and the Bible says that like God was part man, part God, or 100% man, 100% God, however you want to say it. 
and he was without sin, all that, right? Mm -hmm. But in today's world, I feel like if Jesus was here right now, there's no way in hell we would ever say that Jesus was out without sin. In fact, I think we would kill him all over again. Like, okay, I'm hearing two different things. You're saying, I don't think Jesus, I don't think we would have viewed Jesus without sin. And then I'm also hearing we would have killed him all over again. I think that I do think right now, based on our cultural definitions of sin, like our cultural sins. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think the things that we label sin. So what I'm getting at is I don't know if half the crap that we label sin is actual sin because we read the Bible literally. Well, and to be fair, when when it comes to cultural sins, I don't, some of that stuff, I don't even know if we get from the Bible. Like, I don't don't even know if it's because we read the Bible literally. I think it's because there are some people that just, just read it poorly. Well, I feel like if, if Jesus walked up in, in half of today's churches, he would not be wearing a suit. He would not be wearing khakis. He'd probably walk up in there to prove a point. Or he'd walk up, or he'd never even show up to him. Yeah, I'm not so sure if Jesus would have hung out in churches, man. I don't maybe he would have. I, I try That's to think a, of it I try to think all, of it's it all relative, really, but in as close of terms as I can. I try to think of it like it was back then and and how it was back then was that he did learn the religious traditions to a certain point but then what happened he hit a certain age and he was like so extreme that the main religious people they i mean they didn't want yeah i mean they they literally killed him they killed him well he wanted to have he he wanted to know them deeply but because of the things that he stood for and and the thing and the things that he was doing, the people he was hanging out with, he was not accepted. So I'm trying to think about like what that would look like in 2020. So Jesus comes back. Let's just say he was born uh, 30 years ago. So he was born in the 90s, and now he's caught up to 2020. First of all, if Jesus was born in the 90s, dude, how sick would that be? That would be sick. He'd be so a he'd be a, a skater. He'd listen to Nirvana. <laughs> It'd be a, yeah, anyway. So, so he's, so he's born in the nineties. He starts his ministry somewhere in the 2000 post 2010, right? Which means that most of our mainstream uh, religious traditions in, in America, anyway, this, this is also like, we're also assuming that Jesus comes back in America, which didn't happen and it probably wouldn't happen, but, or maybe it would have, cause he came to like, he probably would have despised the whole country. I don't know, dude. Like the American dream is not anything that Jesus showed. Oh, the dude, the American dream, which I'm not even sure what the American dream is, but I think that term is actually shifting. I don't think that's a thing anymore. I think it's still a, a phrase. I just don't think it actually truly exists. Uh, but I, I, so Jesus is born in the 90s. He's, he's living post-2010 which means he would have loved our episode with Matt Carter because he would have been an Emory fan. Uh, he would have been super into Screamo. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But most of our churches in America would have been 
very evangelical kind of what what at one time we called progressive. Do you remember using the word progressive to talk yeah. about music? Yeah. Like now when we say progressive, we're not talking about that at all. But 10 years ago when you and I used the word progressive, what we meant was they've got drums. <laughs> this is crazy. They raise their hands. <laughs> they raise their, yeah. Um, so Jesus would have come. He would have gone to our mega churches. Uh, he, he would have been around people who were dressed cool and followed the religious law. So the religious law in our day and age would have meant don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew, and don't date girls who do. <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, you're welcome. I'm here all night. I just, dude, I don't know how well Jesus would have fit in with a lot of our churches. Like, it's so That's funny what I'm to saying, me, man. Like, but again, I have not arrived on this thought. I'm just, I'm just literally practicing some thinking here, some critical thinking. I, like I that. wonder if Jesus. So, okay, here's a thought. He he hung out with guys that were outcasts, guys that were hated. He walked up to the leper, put his hands on him, did things that were socially unacceptable, religiously unacceptable. So I like to think he probably would hang out with all of the outcasts outside of today's modern American church. Mm -hmm. So you name it, like won't even go there. Well, no, no, let's talk about it. Let's people. No, no, let's actually talk about it. So the guy who is sleeping under a bridge and he's disgusting and he smells like crap He's probably a little drunk from the cheap whiskey that he got from saving enough quarters over a couple of days. He can't afford a shower or a shave. He's probably mentally ill. He's right. probably malnourished to some degree. Okay, so that's one type of person. Uh, people who – I'm trying to think of the 2020 equivalent of that of like who he might've hung out with the woman at the well. So maybe he had some friends that, uh, strippers, uh, maybe is that strippers, fair? Or maybe even somebody that's been divorced several times or, or dare I say it, he would hang out with the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. like people that don't believe in the religious teachings of today. So, now let's maybe, let's skip to the most important group of people though. Cuz you and me right now we're shooting for all the extremes, right? Like we're shooting for all the marginalized people within the evangelical community. But now let's target probably what represents a vast majority of this audience, which would have been normal. No, 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 not even them. It would have been normal average joes. It would have been guys with families. It would have been moms. It would have been teen, teenage <laughs> adolescents. I don't know. It would have been the guy that uh, that drives the the medical truck that sharpens utensils that works underneath you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It would have been the people that come to the bank looking for a home equity line of credit. You know, it would have been very normal people, very normal yeah. people with very normal lives. It wouldn't have always been the extreme, but what do those all those people have in common? Is that there's a constant sense of struggle. We yeah. all have struggle. Yeah. 
We yeah. all have struggle and we're all like in, in a way, we're all looking for a sense of hope. I like that. And so probably this is cool to me. This is cool to me because then you add like the people that are struggling, the people that the people that don't have it all together, the people that have committed some of these social sins or these sins that we've labeled as sin. But let's let's perf- let's personify these people just a little bit. So the guy who spends his time at the bar drinking every single night because he's he's dependent upon the whiskey drink. He's dependent upon the scotch. He's yeah. he's waiting to go home because he dreads going home to his miserable life. And that sounds <laughs> that sounds super dark and deep, but that's the reality. The mom who is so worn out because she's raising two, three, four kids and she's at her wit's end and she's forgotten about all the things that brought her joy in her life. Because all she does now is her whole identity is wrapped up in raising kids and taking care of a home and making sure her husband has food on the table. You know, the, the guy who's addicted to pills because he yeah. got in a car wreck and couldn't ever kick it. The yeah, yeah, the twenty-something-year-olds who were who were figuring their shit out and they're just they just can't. They're just making mistakes or they're changing their major or they, they don't know who they are, you know, and they're just looking for a little bit of hope and a little bit of peace. They're just looking for something that makes all of this make a little bit of sense. Right. And so Jesus in 2020 would have come and I think he would have said, I dude, I love when we had David Leo Schultz on our episode and, and he said, I don't remember what we were talking about specifically, but he was talking about the message and he said, it's okay. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. Now you tell me. He would come and I think he would come and say exactly what each person that we just listed needs to hear, but not in any way that they've ever heard it in a way that speaks directly past their situation, past their hurts past their their thinking brain and straight to their heart and yep. like that's again dude like i think that the the piece that we're missing here is i i really think this is hard for me to say because i'm in this group too we are in this group too i think a lot of today christian look more like the Pharisees that Jesus didn't hang out with or, or, or not even didn't hang out with that, that Jesus like, you know, to change and help and love, you know, who Jesus looks like, or excuse me, you know who we look like? Who Do, do you remember that, that part in the story of Jesus where he's going before the, uh, the court or whatever, and and they're trying to figure out what to do with him because he's he's now committed this like this grave sin against God, <laughs> right? And they bring him before Pilate, and yeah, Pilate, Pilate. Yeah. yeah, and Pilate, what does he do? He he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't set him free. He chooses the most cowardly way out that he possibly could. He just left it up to the the, to the majority. And most of us, when it comes to our faith, we don't wrestle with it. We don't stand up for what's right. 
We don't stand up for the social justice that needs to be stood up for. We don't follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We don't do the hard thing. We just simply follow what the majority is telling us. And that goes with our philosophy of life, our theology, our doctrine. And so we actually don't do anything, dude. Some of us, most of us, and I'm speaking for myself included here, right? Like most of my life, instead of really digging deep and figuring it out and either, honestly, we should have either gone, screw that guy, let's kill him, or no way in hell am I letting you kill him. I will stand in front of him before you kill him. But instead, most of us, we go, yeah, I don't know. What does everyone else think? Man, dude, that's deep, man. That's That just hit me hard. <laughs> dude, we should be pastors, bro. I'm telling you, there's a that calling on our life. That's the thing that you ever said in your life. Yeah, there's a calling on my life, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm being silly. I, I believe there's a calling on most people's lives, but all people's lives. But, yeah, that's um, – I don't know what more I could say, dude. That that was <laughs> well. So all right. So to bring that back to what I was saying earlier, I am finally to a place where I feel like I've landed. I, I'm putting the square peg in the square hole. Uh huh. Like I'm finally realizing, like this is me. This is who I'm going to be. And this is how I'm going to be moving forward. That to me is powerful because I no longer have to fake it. I just, dude, I I just all around, like, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, okay. So here's the big question from what I was saying earlier. I wonder what the church would look like if we got rid of the masks, the dress up, the quote unquote, like reverence to God. Like I'm, I'm all about being reverent to God. That's cool. But I think we have that a little twisted. Well, yeah, we, we, we typically tend to be reverent toward our systems and our, our, uh, our man-made rules. And we call right. that God, but it's not at all. Right. I'm not but, saying every time we say that, that that's what we mean, but let's just be honest. There are times that that's what we mean. Yeah. But I wonder like what, what, the body of Christ would look like if we all, and again, I don't have it right. I'm not saying my way is the best way, but I'm finding though that there's so much more freedom in my relationship with God, my interactions with people, my view of the the church, the body of Christ and the building. Like, I feel like this place that we call earth would be so much better experienced better lived, better interacted with if we all just were ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people that get that, but there's a lot of people like you and me that never really explored that to the degree that we, that we, that we should have. And now that we, now that I've experienced that, it's like, and maybe that's the the experience of the, of the rest of our culture. I don't know, but for me, I'm just over here like, why are more people not walking in their true selves? Yeah, and I think that I think what you said brought us full circle, and I think it's a good place. And that is, I think this conversation honestly is. I know it's been good for me, and I know it's been good for you, but I think it's been good for people listening too because we started this conversation off talking about how sometimes we can <laughs> we can seem a little bit 
upset or frustrated or resentful. I don't think that's actually what's in us. Maybe a little bit. I think what's mostly in us is just that desire to seek truth and and to be on the journey. And, you know, we, we've been told our whole lives that our, our identity is in Christ. And I think that what we're finding, I think you and I are finding what it means to find our identity in this God, in this Christ that we've heard about. Because for so long, our, our identity has been in the secondary issues. This right. thing, Christ, you know, I love how Mayfield put it uh, on, on a few episodes ago. He just said, Jesus never came to start Christianity. That wasn't his goal. And yet, guys like me and you, we get wrapped up in continuing the growth of a religion over the pursuit of the Christ. And that that's really there's a lot in what you just said. The pursuit <laughs> of the Christ. That's like a whole episode right there. That's a whole other episode. That's four episodes probably. Just to just to give some highlights on what I think you mean. Like Roar says that if God if we were the painting, there's a piece of us or there's a piece of God in us, the yeah. painting that he painted. Right. He might he might call himself uh, I think we discussed this with uh, Jim Palmer at some point but not a pantheist meaning God is all things but a, a panentheist. Yeah, exactly. God in all things. And you know there's a lot of people who would disagree with that or whatever. I, I don't even know what I think about it to be quite honest with you, but I know that it's worth considering and I think that I think that all in all that this conversation that we're having it's not about two guys who are just pissed at christians and at church and don't want anything to do with the system i I hope about two guys are trying to walk out who god made us to be instead of who the church has designed us to be exactly and and the the emphasis on that is two guys uh what'd you say two guys walking out who god made us to be and dude that requires a lot of slowing down a lot of rewinding and a lot of really internal work yeah. And I think, I think that sometimes I think that some, I know I can come across this way and I think you probably can agree that you do too. I think both of us, sometimes we, we just have this passion in us that at times can be projected as being abrasive. Sure. And I, I, I think this conversation is a real life example of us slowing down and not letting our emotions just run wild and say, oh, we're mad at everybody and church screwed us over and I missed out on this and that. I think it's more about us. I, I think that it sort of is, okay, this is going to seem a little crazy, but what coronavirus did for our world, okay? And Jamal Javanji- out of church did it for us. Yeah, Jamal, Jamal talks about coronavirus being sort of a metaphor anyway. Coronavirus slowed the world down. It shut certain avenues down. And it made us just really stop. It made us consider relationships, work, social life, entertainment, hobbies, everything differently. Yeah. And I think where you and I are at is that to play off that metaphor, I think something in our lives happened that said, wait, we need to slow down. And, and you know, sometimes like it, it's the same thing, Nichols, with coronavirus. What happened when this stuff went, went viral across the freaking world, dude? People lost everything. Well, before that, though, people lost their minds, dude. 
people seemed a bit abrasive. There was, there was online Facebook, Twitter wars, you know, people were conservative, liberal, put a mask on. It doesn't matter. It's a hoax, all this kind of stuff. And that's where we often go to first. And so in, in this conversation of religion and spirituality and the church and Jesus and God and you and me and us, I think what this conversation did is, okay, slow down, stop, and go back to the beginning and just sort of go from there. Let's, let's, yep. let's, let's de-institutionalize, let's de-technologize, if that's a word. <laughs> let's, let's get below that and let's, let's start there. This is good for me, man. I, I love these conversations. Yeah, dude. And this whole I, conversation we've had, I've had my son in my lap and he's been sleeping. So thank God. As opposed sleeping. to one of the previous episodes where he was screaming his brains out. That bro was going off the wall. All right. Well, you guys know the drill. Like, subscribe, share, and email us a bunch of hate mail. Yeah, specifically hate mail. Helmet Theory out. <laughs> Holla. Holla.